everyone and welcome back to the Football Sugar Podcast. My name is Thomas Durning and today I'm joined by my co-host Pierce McLaughlin. Hello Pierce. Hello, how are you doing? Doing well. On today's podcast, we'll be discussing all the latest transfer news around Scotland and Europe. And at the end of the podcast, Pierce will be giving a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. So coming up next, we'll be discussing all the latest transfer news from around Scotland. So um, it's been a busy week um, of transfer news at Celtic. And we'll start off by discussing the retirement of Aaron Moy. So Aaron Moy, who joined Celtic in 2022, has decided to retire with immediate effect at the age of 32. So Pierce, what was your reaction to Aaron Moy's retirement? Um, I think there's rumours in, in the background that he was going to retire, but I think it still came as a shock for most people um, and then around Scottish football because of how well he performed last season, and in particular um, post-World Cup. Because even then, he was ever present at a show team that done very well, and he was one of the standout players. And when he came back from the World Cup, he was a he was virtually a starter because I think there was like the form of like O'Reilly and Atati kind of dipped a little bit, and he was like the kind of the main, the main man next to Cal McGregor, and he was really doing really well until he picked up an injury towards the end of the season. And I remember the I think it was like the was it one of the last kind of old fun games of the season? I think it was the one at Parkhead where Kyogo got the, um, the, the double and he just looked well off the pace. I don't know if it was just he's carrying the injury, but obviously from that injury he hasn't really fully recovered. But um, during the short time Celtic, I think he's been nothing but a, a revelation and um, it'll be a big loss um, because he was a valuable squad player that was, um, he, he was just so clever um, we offered a goal for it and it was good for an assist as well. So, no, big loss. Yep. <clears throat> um, in terms of his retirement, uh, I'll be honest, I wasn't slight, I wasn't really surprised. Uh, I kind of had a feeling that, um, you know, it was kind of coming. You know, 32 is a really young age for someone to retire, but I just felt with Aaron Moy, uh, I think <clears throat> there have been kind of talks that Celtic would be his last club of his career. You know, he signed a new two. He signed a two-year deal when he signed in summer twenty-two. So, um, you know, it could he could have had one more year, but I think he's just looked at it, and I think he had that injury, as you said, towards the end of the season there. And you know, I think with people like with like footballers like they're not they're not footballers. I think people that just think that you get an injury and you recover and you're you're kind of back to just being what you are, but it's kind of not like that. You know, like. These injuries, you know, they might look fine on the pitch, but off the field, he might really struggle. So he's probably just looked at it and thought that, you know, he, he's leaving as a treble winner at Celtic. You know, um, he's had that injury that he had just at the end of the season. You know, it might be, it looked like it did look like when he came back from that injury, they were struggling. So maybe he's just looked at it and thought that it's just not worth going through, you know, in our season where that could potentially get worse and then it kind of affects his life after football finishes for him. So, um, no, not, I'm not surprised, but in terms of his playing career as a whole, he's had a brilliant career. Um, you know, he's had really good success in Premier League um, with Huddersfield and, and Brighton. Um, then he went to China. He did well there. And then he came to Celtic and, you know, he's only, he wasn't at Celtic long, but he's been 
Um, you know, he's been a brilliant player for Celtic. You know, he's chipped in with goals and assists. You know, being a was a really valuable player. Um, so he will be missed. Um, you know, he, he really good quality had, and you know, wish him well in his retirement and see where he goes next. So, um, on the same day that Aaron Moy announced his retirement, um, Celtic also confirmed the news that they had signed forward Marco Tilio from Melbourne City. So, Tilio joined Celtic at the age of 21 and has signed a five-year deal of the club. So, Pierce, what is your reaction to the signing of Marco Tilio? Um, came as a bit of a shock to me. Um, I only kind of seen the rumours hours before the, the deal was confirmed. And obviously, I'm only going on um, YouTube clips because I haven't actually seen him play live or watched any of his matches for Melbourne City. But what I have seen in the clips, he's very um, similar to Patrick Roberts in Rodgers' first spell. Very diminutive. He likes to cut in off the right flank with his left foot. So maybe that's something that Celtic haven't had, really. Because if you look at Celtic in the last couple of seasons under Ange Postacoglu, they haven't really had a left-sided forward. It's all right-footed players. So maybe Rodgers is looking at that versatility and just different options because <clears> if you look at Rodgers' first spell, on that right flank, you had Patrick Roberts and James Forrest. And none of them were guaranteed starters, but he, he loved to like, go between the two of them. So maybe that's what he's wanting to do, just shake it up and have different options along the front line. Um, and obviously, he's 21 years of age. Um Massive potential, and I do think it's a good signing from what I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I well, first of all, I think it is a good signing. I think it's been a sign that's been planned for a long time. I think uh, former Celtic manager and Postecoglou, and um, I think he had accepted that he would come to the club in the summer. And um, but obviously, uh, Postecoglou left, so I think uh, the Celtic transfer team have. Told um, Rogers that we've we've um, we're really interested in Marco Tellio. Uh, what do you think about him? And I think Rogers will look at him and he's approved that. Yeah, we'll keep we'll continue the 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 talks and we'll end up signing him. Um, but as you said, um, I, I haven't seen much of him. Um, you know, but from what I've just seen on clips and YouTube and stuff, and he does look like a good player. And I agree with what you said about. He is similar to former Celtic player Patrick Roberts in terms of that right right, right winger cutting in on his left with his left foot. Um, so he does have similarities like that. Um, you know, he, he's 21 as well. So um, and in fact, he's signed a five-year deal with the club. You know, it means that he has a lot of time. Not a lot of time, but he has time on his hand to develop. You know, Celtic are, you know, they obviously are really uh, keen on what they see. So they want to give him that time um, to develop at the club. And um, yeah, I think it's a smart piece of business from Celtic in, in, in terms of what you said as well, the fact that they don't have that many kind of players on that side of, uh, on the right side in terms of uh, players that are left with they can cut in. Um, so yeah, I, a really smart sign from Celtic, I think. Um, so just in terms of next season for Marco Tellio, do you expect him to play a big part? It remains to be seen. Um, it's still early in the transfer window, um, and I do think there's going to be more outgoings and incomings. So it remains to be seen. But um, I do think he would be maybe somewhat in a badder type role, 
where he might even just be like start half the games, come off the bench most of the time. But um, he's only twenty one, so I, w- I wouldn't put too much pressure on too early. I think he will have a big part to play next season. And um, but like I said, it's still in the window, so we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, it's hard to predict these things because you don't know. It might come in and it might take him time, or it might come in and he starts off amazingly. So it's one of the ones where it, you don't know what will happen. Um, I do expect him to play a part uh, next season for Celtic. Um, and also, he's got good luck on his side because a lot of Australian players that have come to Celtic have gone on to do really well in their career. You know, we just talked recently about Aaron Moy there retiring. Um, although he wasn't at Celtic long, he had a really good career at Celtic. So um, he's got that kind of, you know, let's say luck. Uh, there could be another word for it. But um, I think he'll definitely be given time and he will definitely play a part next season. Um, so moving on to a Celtic departure. So it was confirmed on Monday, the 4th of July, that Celtic winger Jota had left the club to join Saudi Arabian side Al Etihad. So the fee for this move was £25 million. And Jota joins the likes of Karim Benzema and N'Golo Kante at Al Etihad. So, Pierce, what is your reaction to Jota leaving Celtic to join Al Etihad? Um, you kind of expected um, some of Celtic's big cutters from last season to leave. Um, but I think it's just a surprise that he left so soon because he only signed permanently last summer. Um, but a skillful player on his day, bags of tricks, and can play on either flank um, and offered a goal for it and he was really good uh, when assisting beating a man um, and obviously he was a big game player as well scored the Champions League for Celtic against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu scored away to Leverkusen in the Europa League last season um, and then obviously his final game he scored in the cup final to seal the treble so big player I think there's a lot of Celtic faithful um it took to him pretty pretty soon. Obviously, one sign is you're not really meant to fall in love with, but I think a lot of them did. Um, but in terms of the actual transfer fee, fantastic bit of business by Celtic and Michael Nicholson. Um, because um, there was talks at the beginning that they were wanting to pay it half the, in instalments and then in incentives, whereas like Celtic have now got twenty five million pound up front plus five million in add ons. Plus a selling fee of I think it's like ten percent. So Celtic have bought for seven, although thirty percent going to Benfica, I think is a good bit of business. And obviously for Jotter himself, um, reportedly two hundred thousand pounds a week tax free. So I don't think you can really turn down that sort of life changing money. But I think people just basically think he's throwing his career away at twenty four years of age at the top level because obviously Champions League and stuff like that. But um, you've got to think of life outside football. It's football's a short career. You never know when the next injury will happen. Um, but the money will then just go back in for Celtic to rebuild their squad even further, and um, it'll allow Brendan Rodgers to motor on with the transfer kit he already had, which is pretty sizable. So, um, so I think there's a benefit for Rodgers. How, Plus, just started pre-season as well, so it's just to see who's wanting to stay and who wants to go, and I do think there will be some more outgoings, but 
it's hard to think like a year ago, Celtic are playing older in the Champions League. Jota and Benzema either side were going to be linked up teammates at El Etad as, as long as um, N'Golo Kante as well. So it's a mad, mad world. And as you can see, Saudi Arabia is signing some massive players. So um, you can see just more players going to that league. And I think it will be one of the top leagues, like Ronaldo said, because the money they're just throwing at players is ridiculous. But um, you can't turn it down and it will be a very competitive league in the, the very near future. Yep. Um, my um, my thoughts of Jota leaving is, um, I wouldn't say I was surprised he was leaving. I was surprised at the at the club or the league he was going to. I always felt with Jota, I've always thought he would stay in Europe. Um, if he was to ever leave Celtic, um, so the fact he's went to to Saudi Arabia, it did, that did catch him by surprise. I didn't expect that. Um. But I, I have to agree with what you said there about Celtic and negotiating fee. I think they've done really well um, in getting the £25 million up front. Um, so, uh, because I think in, in the past, Celtic, the Celtic um, board has been accused of not getting the, the a good enough deal for the players that they sell. Um, so they've done well this time <clears throat> in terms of the money they got for Jota. Um, uh, I think Jota has looked at it um, and I think he's thought that, you know, the money that he is getting, I mean, people can talk about, you know, where he's going and, you know, it might not be the most established of, um, of clubs, you know, that's not known worldwide, but people have to think about at the end of the day that the money that he is getting offered at Al-Atihad compared to the, the money he was getting at Celtic, you know, um, it, it's, it's night and day. And he can look at that and he can see that, um, you know, that money can set him up for for life. Um, so he's looked at it. So it's obviously it's an economical kind of decision as well that he's looked at it. Um, but I think he's also looked at it, as you said, about the fact that, um, you know, the league that that is getting developed there, you know, um, the Saudi Arabian uh, Kingdom have invested in, I think it's five clubs in Saudi Arabia, um, helping them kind of sign these top top players, and um, so I think Jota's um been you know he's been talked with from the Al had kind of chief executives and stuff, and they've told them what their plan is for the future, and you know I think he's been um uh, he's been enticed by it, and you know he's accepted the move, um but I I, I do think I was thinking that other day as well about the fact that. Not nearly a year ago, Benzema and Jota were playing against each other in the Champions League, and now they're, they're teammates. You know, it's football is crazy at times, um, you know, but uh, you know, that's just that's just the way it is nowadays, you know. Um, so a lot of the discussion about Jota is the fact that he's left European football to go to Saudi Arabia. So, Pierce, um, do you think this is a good move or a bad move for Jota? It's a good move. Um, in terms of, it will be a competitive league, um, and it will be playing alongside some world class players. So, in that aspect, he might improve his game. And like you said, he's only signed a three year deal, so there's that option to come back to Europe and he's prime. And you obviously get to play against his idol, which is Cristiano Ronaldo, and there's some other massive stars over there, and get to learn from. 
Karim Benzema and N'Golo Kante. So, and he's and just in his team as well. No, so I think it's a good move in terms of that, in terms of playing with some world-class players, although towards the latter stages of their career. But like you said, it's a massive, massive um, decision to leave champ- guaranteed Champions League group stage football, which is obviously, for me, the greatest football co- club competition there is because you're playing against some of the top players in world football. But yeah, no, um, I, th- I think it's a good move for him, but um, it's a big loss um, going away from Europe. Yeah, um, I was kind of thinking about this, um, that kind of question for a while just before we came on. <clears throat> and I can't decide between both, so I'm just going to have to say both. Like, I think it is a good move, but I also think it's a bad move at the same time. You know, it's kind of an easy way to get out of it, but I, 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 couldn't, uh, I couldn't wait up in terms of one answer. I think it's a good move for the kind of obvious reasons, you know, economically, you know, it's, you know, it, it changes his life. And, you know, uh, he, he's part of kind of a revolution, I should say. You know, Saudi Arabian clubs are investing in a lot of money in European players and a lot of these players are excited about the plans that um, are happening in Saudi Arabian football. So, I think he's looked at it and thought to be part of that is exciting. And, you know, and to play with the likes of Benzema and N'Golo Kante, you know, top, top, uh, top, top players that have achieved so much in their career, you know, he's might have looked at that as well and thought, you know, to learn off of these guys are, is really important. And also, I don't think people talk about this enough, but I think the manager as well um, for Al Etihad is Nuno uh, Santo. He's a Portuguese, so maybe... Um, I'm not too sure, but maybe Nuno and Jota have known each other for a long time um, through Portuguese football. So maybe Jota's looked at that as well and thought that he knows the manager as well and he knows uh, how uh, Jota wants to play. Um, so I think he's looked at that as well and thought that, you know, it'd be more comfortable for him, you know, in terms of going into that team and the manager knows who he is. Um, but at the same time, I do think it, I I think it's a bad move for him in terms of his development. You know, he, he he's twenty four and he is still young and he and I, I if he does well, I I I I had you know he can still come back and get a good move in Europe, but I just think with the fact that I don't think he's played enough games in Europe yet to kind of get that, you know, that experience. You know, I I felt that. <clears throat> getting a kind of staying in Europe would have helped him more. I think it would have helped his chances more in terms of getting into the national team. Um, you know, just develop more as a player. But, you know, it's easy for me to say, you know, obviously Jota's got his reasons and at the end of the day, it's up to him, his decision. Um, so, yeah, a bit of both for me, in my opinion. Uh, so, just last about Jota, uh, what legacy do you think he leaves at Celtic? Um, a successful, a successful one at that. Um, won five trophies in two years. Um, scored goals, big goals and big games. Um, excited fans by his skill, his flair. He could beat a man quite easily, and he just got a lot of goals and assists. So no, he excited a lot of the fans at Celtic Park, and obviously he scored big goals in Europe, big goals. 
against Rangers as well. So and cup cup final goals as well. Um, so I think he's left a, a big legacy and uh, he's a massive loss to Scottish football. Yeah, no, he has. He's left, and um, I think he's, as you said, the word successful. And um, you know, he's, he wasn't here. He wasn't at Celtic long. Um, but you know, every time he played for Celtic, he he always tried to entertain the fans that that paid the money to to watch him. Uh, you know, he chipped in with, as you said, important goals against the likes of Rangers and. Also scored um at the Bernabeu in the Champions League. So I think he'll remember that for for his life for his whole life. I think that was his first Champions League goal. Um so um no he leaves a really good um successful career at Celtic. Um and also I think he I don't know if he might think this, but he might think that the money that Celtic have got for him, you know, I think he might be happy for that as well. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I do think Jordan does care for Celtic, you know. I don't think he was in the best place in his career before he came to Celtic. You know, I don't think he wasn't involved at Benfica. He had a loan in Spain that didn't really work out for him. So I think Celtic kind of gave him that chance to kind of reignite the talent that he, he quite clearly had. So I think he's got a lot to be thankful for at Celtic. Um, and he, you know, he leaves. I think he leaves and I don't think the fans are, I don't think he's got any, there's no discontent with the fans. I think both kind of parties are Quite happy with each other, so yeah, really successful. Um, so in the last piece, um, of Celtic news, so on the day of recording this podcast, um, Celtic announced that striker Kyogo Furuhashi had signed a four new a, a new four year contract um with the club. So Pierce, what is your reaction to Kyogo signing a new deal with Celtic? Fantastic bit of business, um. Obviously, Celtic have lost Jota um, from the front line. They lost their manager, um, Ange Postacoglu, and there's rumours of a few other key players that might go. But to secure your talisman, they scored 34 goals last season. Um, and he yeah, is just a delight to watch. He just, he just he plays with a smile on his face. He's a, he's a nuisance for defenders. He's always constantly move. Doesn't necessarily have many touches throughout the game, but when the ball comes to him inside the box or just outside the box, he comes alive. Um, and his goal record for Celtic is incredible. So to lose someone of that caliber would have been a massive regret from the club. And but from his own personal point of view, twenty eight years of age, he could have seeked to get that big money move because he's in his prime. But the fact is that Celtic have just signed a four-year deal. He'll have his prime at Celtic, um, which is a massive bonus for them. And um, I'm pretty sure Brian Rodgers would be very chuffed at that decision for him to stay on and get what with the massive talent that is Kyogo Furuhashi. Yeah, um, as you said, I think it's um, for Celtic, it's brilliant news for them. Um, you know, uh, I think there was interest in Kyogo this summer. Maybe not concrete interest but I think maybe clubs have been looking at him and thinking that they might put in a bid for him so I think Celtic you know it's been the start of this summer window has been quite you know not chaotic but there's been lots of players kind of leaving um, you know the manager Jota you know lots of key people at the club that have left so I think with Kyogo signing that new deal I think it kind of calms Celtic fans down 
in terms of the fact that they're thinking that everybody's leaving now. Um, so for Kyogo to to commit four years, four more years to the club, I think um, it's really important for him as well because maybe this is his last contract, his big last long contract at a club, you know, because he is getting in, he's in his late 20s now. So um, it'd have been a big decision for him. Um, so the fact that he has committed to Celtic for that long, um, I think shows, you know, that he's planned to stay here for for a long time, you know. Um, so really good bit of business from Celtic, you know, and he's been here, he's hardly been here that long and he's, his career at Celtic's been unbelievable, you know, he's won Celtic single-handedly, he's won them a couple of trophies um, with his goals in the final. Um, so yeah, really good bit of business from Celtic and, you know, I think that's one of Benjamin Rogers' first kind of missions as returning Celtic managers trying to keep Hugo. And the fact he's done that, I think he'll be he'll be really happy with it. Um so moving on to other transfer news in Scotland, and it has been revealed that Rangers have agreed a transfer fee with Italian side Cremonese to sign striker Cyril Dessers. So the 28-year-old striker is uh, undergoing a medical at Rangers and the deal is expected to be completed immediately. So Pierce, what is your reaction to the news that Rangers are expected to sign serial guessers? There was talk, what was it, last week that they'd been outpriced of a move um, and obviously that might have just been Rangers trying to just shortchange the Italian side Cremonese, but as they've seen across the road, when you have a top quality striker like Kyogo, um, and some of the business, like obviously Celtic have signed Tilly as well, and Rangers already signed a few players. They needed a new number nine with obviously Fredo Manelos and Ryan Kent leaving. So they need options. And what I have seen of Dessers, more seen him more at Feyenoord, where he was a handful. He's tall, he's quick, and he's, he's quite a clinical finisher. Um. So I think that's what they're looking for in that range of attack. And obviously, Rangers have recently signed uh, Abdullah Sima from, was it, Leic- Le- was it Leicester City? Uh, it was Brighton. Brighton, Brighton. Brighton yeah. But I remember him playing against Rangers at Ibrox for Slavia Prague. And he gave them a torrid time. And obviously, he's had a few torrid ones since then. But... Um, he's another quick attacker, so that's maybe that's the route that Rangers will be going down in terms of wanting to just fresh up that attack, quick, strong, powerful players, and just cause um, defenders uh, some potential nightmares. But no, I think it's a, a good bit of business, and um, uh, I, th- I think it'll be, it'll be a good enough replacement for um, the, out- the outgoing Alfredo Manelos. Yep, and... You know, I think it's been for quite a while. Rangers have been quite interesting. I think they've had bid turned down from Cremonese, and they look like they finally got their man. Um, I think he scored six league goals in Serie A last season. Um, you know, and I think I'm not sure. I mean, Cremonese might have been relegated. Uh, I'm not too sure, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's quite obvious that Michael Beale has identified him and thought that he's um. He suits the way he wants to play in terms of how his strikers want to play. Um, so in terms of that, I think you know Michael Beale will be really, really happy with um 
the striker he's getting. Um, because as you said there, with Alfred Morelos leaving, um, you know, he was a main striker for, for a while at Rangers. You know, I think it, it, it was important for them to try and find that striker that could replace him. Um, obviously, don't know if Sergio Dessers will come in and be successful at Rangers. We don't know that. But um, he certainly does look like, in terms of his stature and stuff, he does look like a, a really good player. And, you know, it's obviously Michael Beale um, has identified him and, you know, you know, it, it's I think it's quite a bit, a bit of money. I think it's four and a half million they've paid for him. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he does and how he adapts to Scottish football and how he adapts to Rangers. Um, so, do you expect Rangers to sign more players this summer? I do, I do. Um, because they've got um, important games coming very shortly in terms of Champions League qualifiers. So, he's got the majority of his signings in. I would, I would expect maybe one or two more. Um. So they've got they've got very good um key signings that you needed to replace in terms of obviously they've got Jack Bottom in to replace the outgoing Al McGregor, potential Dessels and <coughs> got um is it Kieran Dowie? Is it yeah, Kieran Dowell? Kieran Dowell, sorry. <laughs> Keith Downey Ian Dowie. <laughs> uh aye, so so they've got a few like, options in, in terms of middle of the park up front goalkeeper. So I think maybe another defender. Um bolster that defence because I think they had a lot of key injuries there last year. And obviously like <laughs> um Hollander uh, as well and obviously they don't really have a, a backup to Tavernier. So I, I do think Rangers probably need to strengthen their defence if they want to compete in all fronts in Europe and domestically. So I think that's where their, their main aim is because I think now they've kind of showed up their attack. Um Pretty well, yeah. Yep, um, I do expect them to do more business because, um, you know, they've had quite a, a turnaround of their squad. You know, lots of players have left um, uh, this summer. So, um, but I think they've, they'll be happy with what they've got right now. You know, they've had quite a good start to the, to the summer window. They've signed quite a lot of, um, quite a lot of players. Um, but I do think they, they, they will want to add more. Um, <clears throat> <clears throat> I think they're looking at another striker. Uh, I think he's called Danilo at Feyenoord. Um, I think they've had a bid for him, but they got rejected. I think they're coming going to come back in um, for a bid. I'm not too sure what the fee the the fee is that they're going again with, but it's just quite obvious that looking at another striker. Um, you know, I do expect them to sign another defender in terms of maybe back up for Tavernier. Um, but as you said, you know, um, with potential European football they've got coming next season and also wanting to try and reclaim the title from Celtic. You know, they've not won the title now in a couple of years. So um they'll be wanting to try and get a big squad. Um so they've they've done I think they've done well so far in terms of the start of the window, but I do expect them to sign uh, a few more players um come the end of the window. Um so just lastly Pierce in terms of um around the world or in Europe. Is there any transfer news that's been catching your eye recently? Yeah, so I'm just kind of waiting on the, the two South Korean boys to make their big moves. So that'll be uh, Lee Kang and APSG, which is getting finalised at the moment. Um, just the final details of that, so that'll be probably the end of the week or the start of the next week. And the same with uh, Kim and Jay to Bayern Munich. 
basically medical's been done for both players, both agreed personal terms. It's just about um meeting the release clauses and then signing the paperwork. So that's the two kind of big stories that I've just kind of <laughs> keep track of at the moment. Yeah. Um, there's just kind of one that's kind of caught my eye, and that's um, Josco Gavardio of Leipzig. It looks like Man City um, are going to sign him. You know, it's it's been uh, reported that Gavardio told Leipzig that he wants to go and join Man City. So I think now it's just Man City trying to negotiate the fee with Leipzig and for um, Gavardio to join Man City. And if that happens, I mean, I mean, it's just an unbelievable signing again for Man City, you know, to think that the options that they've got at defence, um, and I always say, I mean, I always think defence is an import, uh, the biggest uh, important part of winning trophies and titles, and, you know, the signing of Guardiola, who's one of the best centre-backs in the world, and he's still very young, you know, I mean, it's going to be really hard for clubs to try and fight um, for the title, next season um, against Man City so uh, that I, I think by the end of the week we'll know more about Govardiol even if he's joined Man City or if he's just about to join and um, so that's once we keep my eye and yeah if that does uh, happen what an, what an unbelievable signing that'll be for, for Man City um, so for the final part of the show Pierce will now give his Asian football roundup. yeah so we're going to start with um, something <clears throat> News and obviously the uh, Yang Hyun Jun of Gang One FC has revealed publicly this week to the press that despite numerous requests from his camp to meet and negotiate the move to Celtic, Gang One executive Kim Byung Ji has not even bothered to engage in talks with the player. Celtic have already reached an agreement with Gang One to sign uh, Yang Hyun Jun for two and a half million euros with a twelve percent selling clause. Um, despite that, the move has stalled as Gangwon remain adamant that Yang can only leave in the winter window. Celtic standing firmly in bringing Yang to start the 23-24 season. Um, Yang is revealed to the press in the mixed zone after Gangwon's won the loss to Inchon United that he is willing to give up his wages to make up for whatever cost that the club would let him go to join Celtic this summer. The relationship between the two sides is extremely strained. Um, the Korean tour twenty twenty three is off after the promoter failed to pay down payments to all the clubs and is even behind on staff salaries. And the fixtures that are meant to go ahead this um this summer or the end of the month was Wolves versus Celtic, Wolves versus Roma, and Roma versus Inchon United. So all clubs have pulled out of the tour because um lack of payment from the promoter. Um, and a bit of um. Lastly, uh, Korean news with John Butch Hyundai Motors have confirmed the sign of Czech defender Tomas Petrashek from Rakov Czechkovla. This is Dan Pajeska's first signing as he's looking to bolster up his defence, which has shipped too many goals this season. In terms of some uh, Japanese league news, we've got uh, Shuto Machino has joined Holston Kiel in the Bundesliga 2. He played his ma- last match for Shonen Belmere on Sunday and a 4-1 defeat to Yokohama F. Marinos. Um, not ending that he would have hoped for, but um, he leaves having scored in his final appearance for the club. And obviously, Andrew Zeniesta has played his final match for Vassel Kobe on Saturday, the 1st of July, 
The match itself was a home match against Haikado Constable Sapporo, which ended in a 1-1 draw. He played 57 minutes and didn't really sparkle as his J-League 1 adventure fizzled out. Although he got a tremendous send-off with the staff, teammates, as well as going to the crowd and saying his goodbyes to his adorned fans, the 39-year-old Spanish fielder is now officially a free agent as he weighs up his next move. Um, and this is just a couple of quotes from Iniesta after the game. When you have when you leave home so far away to a very distant country, completely distant for hours, sometimes it's very difficult to feel at home, right? But we have done it. We feel it, it is as our home. You have made us feel that way since the very first day we arrived, and that will remain forever. Today we say goodbye. I will never like to say goodbye, right? It's more like a see you later. We return to Japan very soon. This is our home. And in terms of the fixtures of the Korean League, on Saturday the 1st of July, Jumbo Hyundai Motors 2, Jeju United 0, Daegu FC 1, Suwon Samson Blue Wings 1, uh, FC Seoul 0, Daejeon Hana Citizen 0, Sunday 2nd of July, Gwangju FC 0, Ulsan Hyundai 1, Hwang Steelers 3, Suwon FC 1, Incheon United 1, Gangwon FC 0. And at the top of the table, we've got Ulsan down 50 points. Um, and in second and third place, we've got Pohang Steelers to 37 and 33 points after 20 matches played. And down at the bottom of the table, it's as you were, Suwon FC in 10th, Gangwon FC in 11th, and Suwon Blue Wings on 12th position, 19, 13 and 10 points respectively. In terms of the Japanese league, on Saturday the 1st of July, Albert Snagata 2, San Fretje Roshman 0, Kawashima Antlers 0, Kyoto Sangha 0, Nagoya Grampus 2, Kawasaki Frontali 0, Yokohama FC 0, Gambo Saka 0, FC Tokyo 1, Kashiwa Racer 0, Sagan Tusu 1, Uberai Diamonds 2, Marcel Kobe 1, Haikudo Consoldo Sapporo 1, and then round it off on Sunday the 2nd of July, Yokohama F Mariners 4, Shonen Belmere 1. So top of the table is very tight. Yokohama F Mariners, 19 games played, 42 points. Second position we've got Nagoya Grampus in 38 on 19 points, eh, 19 games played. And the third position we've got Vassell Kobe on 37, only 18 matches played. And in fourth position we've got Uberare Diamonds on 36 points. And it's as tight as it is at the top as it is at the bottom. Shonan Bermier on 18th, 12 points. Kipshi Rachel 17th on 13 points. And 16th position we've got Yokama FC on 14 points. And that's all your latest Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Football Chuggy podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Chuggy YouTube channel and also the Football Chuggy website. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye.